Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association Automotive Insiders Podcast. It's time we had this episode today. We're going to talk about what's going on. We started talking about COVID a long time ago, and it's time for an update. So let me give you our topic today will feature operational resilience, important to everybody in our listening audience. So let me give you a little background, and then I'll have my two esteemed guests share their bios, and then we'll talk. So as automotive suppliers work through the COVID-19 recession, it was clear that key processes and operating models they once thought were elective. Will we do it? Won't we do it? Maybe we'll do it. Maybe yes, maybe no. These had become essential to creating go-forward business resilience. We're talking surviving. We're talking thriving. We're talking staying in business. Today, here we are. It's almost late fall. It's 2021. We don't know where the next supply chain disruption may be. We don't know where other disruptions may be. Global automotive suppliers need to build resilience. That's really the bottom line. And they need to build fitness into the design, the source, the make, the selling, and the delivery process for vehicle parts. They also need to ensure company-wide visibility, real-time accuracy, and flexibility they did not think they needed before, and now they do. So here we are, 18 months into the pandemic. It's hard even to say that. What is changing? What is the same as automotive companies look to improve operational resilience. And if we're really nice, if I'm really nice to my two guests today, they might even share some predictions for what will happen in 2022. Again, welcome. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, OESA Automotive Insiders. Shout out to Drew Rhodes at OESA for being behind the scenes of working on this. And thank you, Drew. And now I'm going to be speaking today with Martin Bilderbeck. He is a director of business development in the automotive sector at Capgemini North America. Welcome, Martin. And returning guest, the one, the only, he's here with predictions all the time and looking backwards and forwards. And he's looking over the hood of the car. It's Bill Newman, North America Executive Industry Advisor. He says they call him Chief, so we'll call him Chief Newman at SAP. Welcome both. Martin, I'm going to put you on full screen speaker view. We'd love to have you introduce yourself to our audience, please. Who are you? What do you do at Capgemini? And why are you excited to be here today? Martin, welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. It's a thrill to be here. Uh, I am uh, Director of Automotive Business Development. I spend my uh, days and nights uh, purely in the automotive vertical. Um, I'd like to say discovering, originating, advancing, and then working with clients on uh, delivering the uh, the proposal we bring forth. Most importantly, when we say automotive, we're talking about the full value chain of automotive. So for us, that includes innovative research and design through engineering, warranty, manufacturing, supply chain, logistics, all the way through to after sales, connected vehicles, even the captive finance space. So um, our portfolio today is fairly comprehensive and broad across those, both in Europe and in North America and Asia Pacific, working with uh, with uh, all of the um, 
traditional OEMs, and then obviously the new footprint uh, gets involved with some of the uh, the EV startups, and I'll talk a little bit about that. And then addition, additionally to that is the uh, the battery space in which we've had some had some uh, success penetrating. So it's a pleasure to be here. The market is changing. It's exciting. And uh, even with the challenges we have today, uh, we, we see tremendous changes just announced by Ford yesterday regarding the, the two battery plants they're building in Kentucky and the uh, the uh, assembly plant they're going to, EV assembly plant they're building in, uh, in Tennessee. So good to be here. Thank you very much. And the changes you mentioned, it's, it's exciting, isn't it, Martin, that somebody stepping up and saying, we need to make these batteries, right? We need to have this. We need to be part of what's happening and not happening, and it's time. Can you make a quick comment on that? Bill, Bill will I be patient and wait. Go ahead. Yeah, the, 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 um, as, as we say, the, the battery and the battery management, it's all about that. That is the core uh, component of the vehicle in, in, the, in the EV world. Uh, we say numbers shift and change, but somewhere, you know, we're looking at about 20% of the, tr- the parts that we typically see in industrial combustion engines. The battery is, tip- is most certainly, uh, in the battery management system, is most certainly the most critical and the most expensive. So uh, you're seeing uh, the market shift towards a lot of the OEMs capturing the battery uh, manufacturing component of uh, that side of the business. So it's completely changing, and uh, it's a pretty exciting industry. So. Thank you very much. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. Bill Newman, you're so patient. You're so kind. Reintroduce yourself, Bill. I've done a, a poll, a global poll, and there are now, we're down to 4.3 people in the world who don't know who you are and two people who sort of know you but don't remember you. So would you please just reintroduce yourself to those? I think it's 8.3 people, something like that. Bill, welcome back. Go ahead. Hey, Bonnie, it's uh, good to be with you and uh, welcome to Martin for today's program. So uh, I'm Bill Newman, uh, Industry Executive Advisor Chief at SAP. Uh, What does that mean? So that means uh, I'm responsible in our customer innovation office for our uh, portfolio of automotive accounts. Uh, here in North America, along with uh, a good friend and colleague, Tom Madonna, who's also been on this and other programs together. Um, so 35 years, planes, trains, automobiles. I was an airplane guy, so I'm kind of a plane car and wine guy, as, as many of your listeners know. Um, working in a lot of the same areas that we'll get into today, kind of going back to, you know, even before the pandemic, you know, we faced a lot of structural issues inside of automotive. Those haven't gone away. They're still with us. Um, and, and to Martin's point, it's really fantastic to see a complete shift in the industrialization around uh, battery and battery management systems. You know, you just you just can't put those things on the boat and let them sit in the L.A. harbor from Taiwan and Korea for months and weeks on end. So, um there's a lot of change that's happening very, very quickly to bring that whole industrialization of our of that BEV and particularly the battery and other components space to uh, to to specific markets in this case North America. So excited to be here with you and uh, and with the rest of the OESA uh, listeners today. Thank you very much. I have a quick story to tell Martin and Bill. I had a guest on another show I was hosting yesterday who said she wanted to tell me a supply chain joke. And I said, okay, tell the joke. And she said, I can't tell it to you now. It'll have to wait. Oh, that's funny. I said, what's the joke? She said, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) And I, I walked right into it and I said, what is it? She said, 
that was it. You didn't get it. I was so embarrassed, so embarrassed. I said, yes, we're talking about the screen door that I had to wait eight weeks to get for my house. Yes, I know, I know. Okay, so I want to share that with you. I think the listeners will appreciate that, especially those who might see the video. Thank you both for the introductions. Martin, let's talk. Your first topic you're bringing us today is the evolution to EV electric vehicles, and you also gave me the new notation HFC. Bill told me that's hydrogen fuel cell. Let's talk about the what you call the noticeable CXO messaging around capital and commitments to the change from private and public firms, as well as similar objectives. And let's talk about the consumer side. That's a lot to talk about. Martin, why don't you kick it off? Talk for a couple minutes, and we'll see what Mr. Newman has to say on commentary. Go ahead. Well, if we split the kind of the market up, right, we have the EV startups, Um and uh, obviously, they're they're building out right now. Um, you know, Polestar is just announced going public as an example. They built about ten thousand units in twenty twenty, and they're looking at about twenty five thousand units in twenty one. So small, a small scale. So they're really building out um, to to ramp up over the next several years. Lucid, you have thirteen thousand orders. You saw they're building in Arizona. Um, building out there also. So so we're we're working with these EV startups to get the operational synergies and, and implementations down all the way from the plant floor all, all the way up to, you know, MRP and ERP planning and so on and so forth. And also, most importantly, right, remember most of these, uh, most of all of the EV startups are going direct, direct to consumer on the sales channel. So, um, there's all kinds of interesting new new facets and features that they're bringing into uh, getting out to the customers because they believe since uh, wholeheartedly that you have to own the customer in order to provide the service and the CX experience that that um, you know a good uh, good uh, provider wants to uh, wants to do. So I'll, on the other hand, you have the traditional um, OEMs, um, you know your Forge GMs and and Stellantis and the European providers who are moving also in that direction. You see announcements coming out today, uh, all day. Yesterday was the big Ford announcement on the capital commitments that are being made to drive that. And notice that there's usually a battery component to that GM on the LG side, and then Ford announced a relationship with SK. Um, and and so they're they're going forward. Once again, again it's about capturing the market. And then um, lastly, uh, we have the battery manufacturers themselves. The chemistry is changing. Um, we'll see a lot of maturity uh, with that over the next few years as that evolves. And it's all about distance and mileage and range, right? So um, that's that's what we're seeing. So they, they have similar objectives, but they're in different states of, of their of their of their birth. So um, we're seeing them implemented quite differently. So that that's really what it's what what that's all about. Thank you. And I just want to level set here, Martin, you mentioned today in the news. So I just want to let our listeners and our viewers know that we are recording this segment on Wednesday, September 29th, 2021. So if you're saying, wait a minute, I'm seeing this in the first week of October, I'm hearing this, what are they talking about? That's the reference point for Martin's comment about what's in the news. Bill Newman, join us, talk to us. Thoughts, agree or disagree? Do I dare even ask you that? Go ahead. Well, I think it's interesting that here we are 18 months later and we're still date stamping things, right? We're just doing it for different reasons because everybody's making announcements now in terms of you know, rebalancing uh, capital investments, uh, bringing in, as we were mentioning, you know, component capacity in, in, in region. 
uh, you know, you kind of go back to where we were when everything was changing so quickly. And now in, in many ways, it's changing again, as I like to say, walking backwards out of the pandemic. And we have a lot of different, um, we have a lot of different customs and expectations here in North America, you know, at time of this recording, um, our friends in Canada still are not allowed to come into the United States, um, though those of us who are fully vaccinated with a valid passport and visa can travel into Canada. And there's just different sets of expectations in terms of how we show up, how we do business, you know, in different regions of, of, of North America. Um, but to Martin's point, you know, coming back around to the product and how we work with uh, startups and, and large brands to build capacity, um, that is changing. And a lot of it's changing based on our use. A lot of it's changing based on the product design. A lot of it's changing based on uh, what's available component-wise to build that. You know, we've talked on this show and others, uh, Bonnie and Martin, that, you know, you know, if you're, if you're driving up and down the coast on 101 in California, not a whole lot of range anxiety there. There's there's a kind of a pervasiveness of fueling stations, particularly up and down uh, the the coast and the highways along uh, California and the Pacific Seaboard. You know, getting to true elimination of range anxiety means new battery designs, um, so that we can have you know four, five, six, eight hundred, a thousand mile range. And we can do cross-country trips where we're kind of precluded from and in, in, through flyover country and kind of the heartland of America. And, and that's really where we're going next. Uh, Martin and I were recently at an industry event uh, not in, uh, in northern Michigan, and we had the pleasure of speaking together with um, a number of our uh, customers. Um, the governor of Michigan threw down the gauntlet uh, at that event and a few weeks later doubled down and wanted to have um, fly-by-wire charging along highways. Now, that's kind of a Jetson-y kind of look to the future thing. We don't know how we're going to do it. We don't know how the how charging via, you know, over the air works along the highway. But that's kind of the vision of some of these things that we need to take to get to the next level to um, be fully operational across all different types of the country uh, as we're dealing with uh, at least consumer as well as commercial transport, electric vehicles is is really super important. So exciting times for sure, and and a lot changing as we as we mentioned. Thank you, Bill, and thank you, Martin. I just want to put a side note in here. A couple of months ago, I spoke with a real estate lawyer here on OESA Automotive Insiders. Martin, you'll find this interesting, and she was talking about. Where and how do you put a charging station? Do they go into parking lots of large box stores? Who owns the real estate? Who owns the charging mm-hmm. station? What about accessibility? What about where in the parking lot? What if there's a lineup? What if they get a coupon to go shop in the store of the parking lot where the charging station is? How long will it take to charge? What is the distance on the battery in the vehicle they brought to the charging station? What do they do? Do they need to leave their vehicle? Where do they leave it? What about ADA accessibility. How do they get there? What happens to the the whole idea of the footprint of that charging station in terms of how do people find it, get to it, leave their cars, etc., etc.? It's complicated. It's another and the overhead wires you were mentioning, Bill. That the flyby would be would solve, wouldn't it? All of those problems. And then who owns who owns the the real estate on the roadway? Martin, anything you want to comment on that? Are you? Yeah, I just need to. Yeah, the the interesting point is the the other side of that is with all of those uh, 
opportunities presents a world of applied innovation that and and, and you know ideation that that kinds of things that uh, firms like Cap Gemini and SAP can bring to market and and others uh, to fill fill those voids. So we're we're seeing all kinds of interesting relationships and t- uh, mm-hmm. products and ideas coming out that I think are is really really fascinating. I was just one as an example that that just came out. It's just I think it's Redwood uh, Redwood Materials, right? That are in in this whole area of recycling the battery, so there's no waste. So Ford also announced a relationship with them last week. So so the innovation, the creativity coming out to solve those problems is uh, simply astounding. And um, we're seeing um, all kinds of relationships developed and companies formed uh, and opportunities for, uh, for uh, all of us to, uh, to go pursue and grasp. So uh, I think it's, it's just uh, really fascinating. It is. And it makes you wonder if we didn't have these supply chain slowdowns, which we're going to get to in a second here, if we didn't have, have had the pandemic, if we didn't have the stoppage of production, if we didn't have the battery shortages, would we be at this point in the innovation cycle, right, Bill? What, where would we be? Would we be talking about these exciting innovations and these partnerships and moving ahead into Jetson era, which is so long ago? So speaking of supply chain disruptions, let's move on. Martin, I'm looking at the notes you sent me, some interesting topics here. I'm just going to list a couple and then you just dive in. Trade and geopolitical stressors continue. That's one. Another is escalating raw material prices and expediting costs common across supplier discussions. The chip problems continue. COVID still continuing. Delta variant, cautiousness in certain countries, certain parts of the world, certain continents, partners, how do they cope? How do they co-create? How do they become part of the forward movement? And what we're talking about today, operation resilience. So Martin, I'm putting you back on speaker view. Regale us with your knowledge. Inspire us. Yeah, yeah, glad glad to. Yeah, so so the chip the chip issue, you know, is in the press all all over the place. It's a major, major problem and and the uh, the OEMs are trying to uh, Trying to figure out how to manage it, you know, we've just seen where some of them are actually turning certain features off so, uh, on the vehicle. And if you go by dealerships today, you'll see um, the the numbers are downward, or the n- numbers are ranging somewhere in the low 30s on the days on hand, which is typically in the 60 kind of range for us. So it's a significant issue. It's not. A, it's a significant issue from many many perspectives. I was eating having dinner with a uh, uh, German. Uh, a gas tank uh, supplier that makes gas tanks and their volume is just hugely, hugely down, right? And I was thinking like, well, you you don't have any chips in your product. So what are you talking about? Or if you have chips, you know, well, obviously they're suffering from the uh, the downturn from the OEMs. Um, so it spans across everything when our wire harness customers um, and a lot of other, um, now on the EV side, right? They're, they're small scale. So they haven't felt, they haven't really felt the full impact, although there are more chips on the EV on the EV vehicles, um, and it's a different uh, architecture with the smart vehicle architecture, but but they haven't felt this full effect that we're seeing on the OEM side. And what's happened uh, in the market is that the, a lot of the projects have been stalled or put on hold because um, they're all m- many of the resources that typically are trying to advance these initiatives have all been reallocated to kind of triage the efforts around the supply chain. 
And um, that's a, a pretty common theme that I'm seeing across all the major tier one suppliers. So it's, it's a challenge. And the, the last point that I'll say is that, you know, um, Alex uh, partners just put out some information and they're, they're estimating now it's going to hit us about 210 billion in 2021 and down about almost 8 million units in 2021. Um, and um, that's, that's at the point where it's, pretty unrecoverable, right? I mean, we can recover some of those units, but this problem is ex- is expected based on all the, 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 the smart people out there to uh, continue, you know, into first quarter, mid, mid 2022. So it doesn't look like it's going to get solved here quickly. So we'll have to, you know, persevere, stay with our customers and figure out how to, how to manage through it. So. Thank you, Bill Newman. I know you want to comment, join us. Thoughts, well, it's a tough time. You know, we were kind of hoping here on this show, you know, going back a year ago that, you know, we would kind of hopefully see some kind of V or sharp upward sloping uh, L-shaped recovery. And uh, to Martin's point, and I want to, I want listeners to understand that we understand that we understand, you know, that, that batteries and chips get a lot of press because they do go across a number of different industries, right? So consumer products, obviously high tech, media, um, but in vehicles, it hasn't just been the chip shortage that has impacted the vehicles. It's been things like foam and, um, you know, sunroofs and other components that, that actually have, have, as suppliers have come back online, they just simply weren't able to come up with uh, consumer demand even prior to, you know, chips on boats getting stuck in harbors and for all varieties of reasons. So industrial policy to to Martin's point is going to fix things strategically in the long run, but that's four to five years down the road, right? Um, in the meantime, uh, Martin raises a really good pers- point and that is uh, the volumes that we're seeing most electric vehicle makers uh, produce are probably in the in the thousands or at best peaking into tens of thousands versus um, the millions of vehicles, you know, internal combustion engine vehicles that, um, you know, the big uh, OEMs and importers are making. And those those obviously are down. And when you're down and you're, you know, you're through the summer shutdown and, you know, the other flex points, that's just money you lose on the table. I had a supplier once, you know, told me not too long ago, you know, we're probably looking at idling, you know, plants for roughly about, you know, three, three schedule weeks worth of product because, we're not behind. It's not that our suppliers can't get their components to us. It's simply because we just don't have vehicles to put them into and that money goes away. So we do expect that there's probably going to be somewhere on the order of an eight to 10% dip in total vehicles from forecast. But again, you know, we're still, we're still way up on, on last year's forecast. And it's just a way to kind of wobble and rebalance our way out of this um, regardless of what the portfolio of vehicles, whether it's combustion engine or electric vehicle. Thank you very much. Very good Thanks, topic. Any, Martin, anything you want to add before I move on to our third topic? I, I, I just wanted to maybe maybe clarify. I think most of the yeah. folks that are probably listening to this are, are automotive uh, 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 stakeholders. So they, they, they understand, needless to say, that the, the, we're all about leaning out the supply chain. On the uh, in the automotive operation, so um, whenever whenever there's an impact like these chips, it it has tremendous impact to um, to uh, further down in the cycle in the supply base. So um, that's 
that's why we're uh, trying to figure out how to, all of us are trying to figure out how to manage our way through this. So. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and leaning it out is, is happening to Martin, your point, because, you know, we do have a lot of downstream suppliers that, you know, good companies that probably are going to go out of business, right? Because they just don't have the cash on hand to bridge some of these three, four week outages, essentially, and production schedules. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, that's a whole another facet, right? Where we talk about where's the capital going to come in. And we've talked about it in, in previous programs. I just will make the observation that we haven't yet this year seen the consolidation in the lower value chain that we really did expect to see coming into this year. And I do believe that many of our uh, large vehicle makers, uh, players, in at least in North America, have, have done some extraordinary things to, uh, to make uh, uh, payment mechanisms and uh, extend working capital terms and other provisions to make sure that some of those uh, important second, third tier suppliers uh, remain in business uh, as we kind of transit through this um, um, these shortages and uh, make sure that they're available for when we, you know, do hope to make a full recovery going into 22 and 23. Thank you very much. Full Thanks, recovery, Scott. hope. There's that hope word. Glad, glad you got, we got Martin to smile on that one. Martin, we have one more topic left. This is an interesting one, intelligent industry. And you told me in your notes before the show, you said this means harnessing the power of data. It means creating new or reimagined business models, and it means smart everything and monetize everything. Talk to us, Martin. Yeah, for us at Camp Gemini, you know, we, we made a very strategic acquisition uh, um, last year with, uh, with Altran, a significant 50,000 folks, about $5 billion we added to our numbers. Uh, they, they are uh, really the leaders in the space. And when we think of intelligent industry, we're thinking about everything intelligent, this includes intelligent product intelligent operations and then, then intelligence within the uh, within the service and support chain. So we, we, we believe a strong merging of what's historically been called um, IT and OT operations technology, information technology. And we're seeing that um, today in, in the market as we go out and work with clients. A lot of these opportunities are, are what I'll call hybrid opportunities where we're bringing the best of folks that understand hydrogen fuel cell technology from the chemistry all the way to the ecosystem that goes around it, all the simulation, all the testing, all the compliance activities, and merging that with some of your more traditional IT skills, uh, bringing that together into, into either innovating, developing products, or um, uh, managing, managing projects that we do for our clients. So this this is a fascinating industry. We seeing we seeing it growing tremendously. We obviously feel uh, we're well positioned to capture that market. Um, we've we've invested heavily here, uh, both from uh, opportunities that go from what we call blue sky all the way to in market solutions, and um, we're uh, we're really thrilled with that. Um, and uh, we think that we can have tremendous impact and. And obviously, the, the the automobile industry is is one of the leaders in this space with, with uh, the telemetry and the auto, autonomous vehicles and what we're doing in that market and everything that's going on today. So, um, that's that's really what um, what I uh, captured with an intelligent industry. 
Thank you very much. Bill Newman, mm-hmm. I know you have something to say on this. Very exciting. We talk about this in all industries, and now today we're focusing on automotive suppliers. Bill, talk to us. Well, I, I think, Martin, bring, you bring up a really good point around, you know, intelligent industries and also the importance of cross-threading those industries together. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of data provisioning with, with our customers, uh, whether it's in the public sector smart city, uh, whether it's in the energy space around how to do electrification and uh, distribution, uh, you know, transportation. So first mile, last mile, long haul, uh, a lot of that activity going on. And just, you know, how do you monetize all of that uh, vehicle data, particularly in the finance and insurance space where, you know, even today, you know, not just commercial drivers, but folks like us that are listening to this program, you know, we can actually subscribe to one of the large auto insurance uh, providers and, you know, put a dongle or some other type of transmission device in our vehicle and, you know, get a get an additional good driver discount for doing the right things and, you know, being, you know, taking care of things on the road. So there's lots of different ways. There's going to be huge numbers of new business models that are going to come out of, you know, making sense of, you know, literally petabytes of petabytes of information. Um, And it's really exciting to begin to watch how those new business models are beginning to emerge. And, you know, we're just thrilled and excited to be with, with those companies as they start to make that journey into what's next. Thank you very much. Journey into what's next. Let's get some closing remarks here. Martin, at the beginning of the program, I promised some predictions. And I think you or Bill already talked a little bit about 2022 and 2023. Anything you'd like to to look into the crystal ball, Martin, and give us something about what would we be talking about a year from now? Yeah, so, I mean, these... these um supply chain issues are going to are going to linger on a bit so i think we've got to work we got to work through those uh, as as uh, suppliers and SIs to our tier one our tier one tier two um, automotive base um get creative on solving some of those problems and obviously uh, there's there's a we're seeing a lot of opportunity in the ev and the battery space um both myself and my colleagues are are, are out penetrating that uh, across the full the full value chain of the automotive cycle. So it's bringing bringing these technologies and these capabilities forward, even even in um, in the retail and the, uh, the the captive finance space. Or it's it's there's areas within all of the segments of the automotive value chain. If we get created, that we can work with clients and innovating and bringing different products and services forward that have meaningful impact to their operation. So. Um, I think you know that's where we're focused. We're seeing we're seeing you know good, good uh, compounded growth within our within within our business, and it's um, it's exciting as the opportunities are out there, and we just got to go capture them. Thank you very much, Bill Newman. Mm-hmm. Predictions go. So again, I, I thanks to Martin for some you know great insights. I, I think you know one of the things that I can just coach viewers you know, or listeners to is that you know we're probably going to be at that peak of uh, used used vehicle uh, value probably now. So if you're holding on to a used vehicle you want to unload right now, yep. do it, <laughs> do that now, because as other new vehicles come online, those used vehicles are going to uh, decrease in value, and we're seeing a lot of innovation. In that new, in that used vehicle, and in that vehicle concierge space. So, uh, whether it's uh, your your transiting uh, distributors or some of the used vehicle fleet operators, there's a lot going on there. And really cool to see, you know, folks innovating in spaces that historically 
haven't been particularly innovative. I'll just call it like I see it. Um, you know, we mentioned about some of the, uh, you know, the, the supply shortages, um, you know, things will balance out. It's going to take a while, you know, building out, you know, regional capacity for things like semiconductors and batteries, you know, that's a long-term play. Um, you know, we are going to begin to see some of the shift in portfolio next year. Commodity prices will still start to uptick a little bit, but, but vehicle demand by the base consumer is going to remain strong because we've been able to tap down the access to new vehicles. So, you know, assuming you still want it in a lot of places in the world, we still can't travel to. So you're going to want to buy that new vehicle. So I think demand is going to be strong. It's just a matter of balancing that supply going into um, 2022. And as we get closer to that year, I think we're going to get some new insights, Bonnie, that we can bring into these discussions. But uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're all kind of uh, looking forward to getting back to that. Uh, what was it? That 14 months of 2019 that we enjoyed going into 2020. Those were the days. Let's all break out in song. Those were the days, my friend. We hope they would eventually end these these past 18 months. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Martin. I appreciate the expertise. Thank I've you. learned a lot. Martin, I've learned a lot from you. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time and bringing the perspective, not just from Capgemini, but from your vast background of working with industries. And thank you so much for the insights. Bill Newman, it's always such, I'm reaching out like I'm going to give you a hug. It's always a pleasure, Bill. You always bring this this voice of the future to these shows. And again, a shout out to David Johnson at OESA and to Drew Rhodes at OESA. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And a shout out to Alicia Roberts at SAP. Thank you for, for being one of our background supporters, Alicia. We appreciate you. Again, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thanks for listening. This has been another really interesting episode of Automotive Insiders presented by OESA. Bill Martin, wave bye-bye. 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 Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.